Welcome to episode 47 of Look at My Records. I'm here with Chris Slusarenko of the band Eyelids from Portland, Oregon. Just a background, you know, we met, I was volunteering at Monty Hall, the WFMU venue, and Eyelids came through. You guys played a great show with Jay Gonzalez, and it was really awesome. We uh, met, we talked a little bit after that, and we were like, we're going to do a little interview and have a great time. So it's great to have you yeah. on. And okay, that was a really great show. I mean, it was the, our first headlining tour on the East Coast, and it was our first show. And uh, and it was a Wednesday. And we're like, ooh. <laughs> and it was great. It was really, people came out and they were into it. And they cheered and stayed on. We had a good time. It was fun. You so, guys yeah, definitely brought the house down, and I'm glad to see you got a good reception there. You guys also went to Boston, and you were in Brooklyn mm-hmm. the night before, right? Uh, a couple days after we were in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. And then DC and uh, Philly. Oh, that's awesome! And the new record is great. Or came out last year. And but I kind of wanted to start going a bit into your background. I know you're originally from Portland. You live there now. Mm-hmm. And just from yeah. you know listening to Portland bands, especially some of the older ones. You know, there's a lot of seminal bands that came out of the Portland area. As far back as I can think, you know, I think of like the Wipers and Dead Moon and then Elliot mm-hmm. Smith and Heatmeister, right? Is that how you say that? Heatmeister, yeah. Yeah, Heatmeister. And so do you have any memories of seeing Portland area bands like growing up that really stood out <laughs> and kind of influenced you to like decide to delve into music? Well, yeah, I, I'm old. So um, <laughs> I, I was very... I, you know, I, I was about three years too young to miss, like, the first wave of Portland punk and post-punk. So, like, when the Neo Boys were starting and, the you know, the Wipers and that first, you know, incarnation, I saw them right, like, before they kind of disbanded. But, um, so I started doing the shows, like, in 82. So I was seeing bands come through, like, Death Kennedy's and the Cramps. And they would always put on, you know, local support. And, um, you know, by that point, uh, Dead Moon wasn't around yet. So I had the Rats and also a band called The Western Front, which was a country band he had. Um, and uh, there was, it just was so inspiring. And, like, and there were only a handful of bands in town. So as a teenager... I was like 16, I started a band uh, with my brother and some friends in high school um, called Death Midget, and we were like the weirdo punk band, you know, like aspirations of touch and go kind of music, you know, a whole surfer, things like that. You know, we cooked garlic behind our amps on hot plates and, (laughs) you know, wore lederhosen and glitter on our chest, you know, just like really, like that was our confrontation was like, you know like pre-sub-pop kind of, you know, pre-grunge kind of like, you know, post-punk stuff. Um, and, you know, being in a band that young and a lot of the venues being overage, I just got into a lot of shows because we played a ton of shows. And that's where I met Jim and John, who are in Islands. They're in yeah. a band called the Pharma Bums that were on Frontier Records. And so they they were young, but they were like kind of a beloved 
Portland band and um, kind of, well, I don't think power pop's the right thing to say, but they're definitely poppy and catchy. Um, and, you know, the heroes were like R.E.M., The Replacements and things like that, you know, college underground. But we would play with them occasionally, even though our bands were really different. Um, you know, there weren't enough bands to go around to just be like, all right, it's power pop night or it's like, you know, crazy industrial night. So, you, you know, we'd play shows and it'd be like Death Midget and then like, you know, Dharma Bums and then, you know, uh, uh, like Green River and then the Beatniks from like San Francisco. You know, it was just like weird bills, you know, where it was just like anything goes, who's available? You know, and I think most scenes at that age kind of had the similar things. I'm sure New Jersey with all the amazing bands and stuff, there was probably something similar where it was like just bands just played, you know, you had Phantom Tollbooth and Yola Tang, you know, and things like that, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, like a def- definitely wide array of bills, like at that point in time, I'd say. But so you were kind of in a band yeah. that was influenced by Touch and Go and artists on that label. Yeah. It's funny because I, saw, I read an interview that you did and you mentioned uh, Die Kroizen and I had known like absolutely nothing about that band. Until, and I had like known absolutely nothing about that band until I started doing these tapes and stuff and they're absolutely nuts. I thought they were really cool and interesting and just a band I had never heard of before. Oh man, that me and my brother met a lot of people on the scene at a Detroitson show in Portland. All of a sudden, we were like, hey, that's that one guy. <laughs> and so you go over and you talk to him, and you're like, oh, and he eventually, you know, forms Cracker Bash and stuff. That, yeah, they were weird, because that first album was so angular and angry and disturbing. And it took forever for the follow-up to come out. I guess they had problems with the sleeve. And then by the second time, by the, by the time that second album came out, the first listen, I was like, this sounds like U2. It was really weird. I was like, it's kind of all chorusy, and he's like wailing really high. But then, that was a lovely thing. I bought the record. I owned it. It was going nowhere. I'd be like, I like that second song. And then a week later, I'd be like, try it again. And then, good, side two is pretty good. And then by the third <laughs> week, I'm obsessed with it. It's my favorite thing. I just gave it the time, you know, because I was like, ah, I spent the seven bucks on it. It's going nowhere. Yeah, so, they're very, one of my favorite records are like that. Yeah, very interesting. And all I have are these like live tapes of them. And just from diving yeah. into that, it's been like, how did I never hear this band anymore? But unfortunately, it seems like all their stuff is out of, is not currently available, unfortunately. In oh, wow. Copy. Yeah, because I was looking a lot. But so. That's kind of how you got your start in the area. You met when did you meet John, who's your like primary songwriting partner in Eyelids? Yeah, yeah, that, they were in the Dharma Bombs, and so we, and uh, you know, they were on Frontier, and then I started a band called Sprinkler that was on Sub Pop, and that, you know, like in 1990, 91, and then that disbanded, and we just were like in different bands at different times, and then we started a garage band with in like mid-90s with this guy Jerry Moore who was in the Miracle Workers who were a local Portland band that were like our heroes. They were my two favorite bands in town were Poison Idea and the Miracle Workers. Yeah, The Miracle Workers were on on Fox Records um, uh, which was an offshoot of Bump 
Uh, I think, is it correct? Shaw, is that his name? I think it did. Not right. Um, anyway, he, uh, they were great. And so Jerry wanted to do like a garage band that kind of was making fun of garage rock a little. <laughs> like how precious everyone is about it. And like, and he was just like, yeah, yeah I want to do some of I can kind of have fun with and not be too precious about. So we, we made this record. It came out on Munster Records in Germany. Um, and it was just a really fun, you know, it ended up being a pretty good record. But John, that was the first time I played with John and Jim in a band. And uh, John was a drummer, and we became uh, really close in that band. Um, and when I was working with Robert Pollard and Got It By Voices, and that that ended, and we decided to do some records together. John was like the obvious choice in terms of playing uh, drums on all those records with me. Um, and really quickly, we figured out we had a really good sense of communication, that kind of weird psychic thing that happens. Because when I was making those records for Pollard, um, my goal was to do it in the same way he did the early God of My Voices records, which was not have... John never got to listen to what we were going to do. He never learned the song. He learned it as he went. And oh, we wow. only did a couple takes. And then we went on to the next thing. Because I love, you know, all the all the cool things about B-1000 and Alien Lanes and all that was just like, you know, Bob would be like, I have like a day this weekend and I got to go back to teaching. Here's how the song goes. Okay, that's good enough. Let's move on. And so to this day, John still doesn't know a lot of what we did. He's just like, I don't remember that at all. Like, <laughs> if he hears something, he's like, I don't remember playing on this. Um, and and so it just seemed like uh, something we wanted to continue. And John's a great songwriter as well. And so we just decided to uh, collaborate at some point um, with our songwriting. So you guys still take that approach to songwriting today? Yeah, a bit. We um, we like to have this thing what we call a, a summit, which is where me, uh, my, myself, John, and Jonathan will get together. Jonathan Drews is the other guitar player in the band. And we'll get together and we'll nervously show our fragments to each other. And then what tends to happen is we'll just roll a tape and we'll play it two times and what, what kind of improvisationally comes out in those two times tends to end up being the parts that we stick with. We're just like, oh, that's really cool. And then we just don't overthink it. And it kind of sticks. It's been a really fortunate way of working. Um, and uh, and then we, you know, go to um, Jim and Polly, bass player and drummer, and kind of work on it longer, take more time through that. Um, but all the original inspiration and all the original, like, guitar interplay comes really quickly. That's cool. So you and John, you were in the last uh, incarnation of Guided by Voices before the first breakup in 2014. I mean, tw 2004, excuse me. And right. then um, you, I guess there was like a bit of a brief period and then Bob Pollard, you and John were involved with Boston Spaceships, and you put out like five mm -hmm. albums in about five mm -hmm. years, right? Yeah, we when when God of My Voices broke up, um, 
you know, Bob was working on Circus Devil Records and solo records. But he wasn't really interested in having like a band dynamic and stuff like that. And um, one of the things he, we, you know, I'd be around him and he'd make collages, you know, album covers, fake album covers. And there was one for the takeovers, Turn to Red, and he's just like, you should make this record. Make music, I'll sing on it. And at that point, I wanted, Bob was doing, I really liked his kind of experimental stuff. I was kind of too nervous to write a song for him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, he's such a great songwriter. So I was like, I'm going to do these kind of weirder, like kind of, you know, abstract mood pieces, you know, kind of just, it was more hodgepodge. Um, yeah. And uh, I gave it to him and, and he sang over it. And, and, you know, I just never knew what he was going to do vocally. You know, sometimes I'd be like, oh, I think he's going to do this. And he'd do something the opposite. But, um, but it wasn't, but I, on the next one, that football was really kind of like, the precursor to Boston Spaceships in a way because I just I was just like I'm just going to try to write solid songs for him and he could he kind of recognized that and and just thought it was like kind of a leap above the other one and it was also funny I, I was in God of Always so short that a lot of the fan you know like the fans they're just like who's this guy that's in this kind of my voice right now like where did he come from like why is he here and like some of them are like really like kind of intense on me like they'd be like I I don't really like your playing I like Tim or I like Greg and I'd be like I like those guys too they're my favorites but I was asked to join my favorite band and they'd be like I know it's cool man I'm like yeah okay and it wasn't until like that football that I kind of finally got a little bit of like respect like people were like oh wow you, you're good man like good job and I'm like Oh, thanks. You know, like, it really proved that I could, you know, be in the thing. And Bob um, was like, well, let's, why don't you do what you do for, for Bob? Why don't you do, you know, what you did for takeovers with my songs? Why don't you and John, you know, uh, you know, I'll give you tapes of songs and, and you, you know, uh, record them, play all the instruments and I'll sing. And so, yeah, we, we, that's where that came from. And that was, uh, yeah, we were, we were making, it was less, it wasn't around five years, it was less than that. We made five albums, I think a little under three, and then we did like three, seven inches. And it, we were, it was about a record every six months. And then there was, um, and then we did the Carbon Whales EP, which was um, a fake band that I wrote the music to, like this post-punk uh, seven inch in Bob sang on. Um, so we were we were just busy all the time, and we only did one tour, which was Tommy Keen, uh, Jason Narduzzi, myself, John Mellon, and Bob, um, when the first record came out. So, oh, what was that tour like? I mean, touring with someone like Tommy Keen probably seems like an influence mm -hmm. on kind of the music you're currently making. Something that's more like poppy, yeah. uh, power poppy type of stuff, and you know, unfortunately, passed away last year is a huge loss and uh you know he's definitely Absolutely. missed yeah the um i think even you know bob we were just like it's tony fucking king you know it's like just you know like that's him right there on stage playing songs. you know it was pretty wild he bob had uh he played in bob's solo band um like i think a year before and so jason um, and then, uh, 
So when the Boston spaceship thing came up, it was it was a pretty easy maneuver. But I'd never met Tommy. You know, I was a fan, and John was a super fan. And Tommy was just the coolest, most kindest. Like, I mean, he could be really catty and funny and snarky, <laughs> but he was so so sweet and never was. You know, was like. I've been around for decades. Who are you guys? Uh, you know, he just was like, it was just Tommy Keene. He was just the best. And um, it was a huge loss. I saw him open for Matthew Sweet. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, you know, shortly shortly before he passed away, just acoustically. And, um, and he was just doing like, you know, Mission of Burma covers, and he was just having <laughs> such a good time. And, yeah. then, and then I was in L.A. about a month. I played, and he came out to the show and because um, we got I lived done some touring with him and my family had dinner with him we stayed in LA a little longer with him and his, his, he's one of his best friends Maddie and it was just like it's the best and I still I've had friends that passed away and it, you, you know but Tom, Tommy's still a surprise I still am kind of in shock a bit about that one yeah it was very um, sad and very unfortunate very surprising too as well so yeah, you very know. surprising. Yeah, I think also just because it just felt like there's something in the air about Tommy at this point. It just felt like he, you know, I don't know. I just felt like even seeing him play at these solos, playing solo, I was like, man, he's just going to win over the world. You know, it just feels right. Like, it's just going to be the time of Tommy, you know? Yeah. Um, but luckily, we have so much great music and, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, he was he was he was he was great. He's truly one of the best. So he was he was absolutely you know, no argument here. So Boston's and spaceships ends. Mm-hmm. You and John already had some demos kind of put together, mm-hmm. and you decided to start this psych pop project. That's correct, right? Yeah, well, before I joined Gotta By Voices and before John joined the Decemberists, we had, I demoed a couple songs with him and we were like, we should do this like Rain Parade kind of, or, I mean, John and myself have very different tastes, but we really bonded on like Train Syndicate, Rain Parade, 3 o'clock. Yeah, all the R. great Paisley Underground bands. Yeah, absolutely. And because, um, you know, we were like, it's so funny to think, but we were only about four years younger than those bands. <laughs> But at the time, it seemed like, a, you know, when you're 17 and they're 22, it just seems like a vast, you know, difference. Um, and um, and then we just were like, got busy. And and when we were listening to Let It Beard, um, when I played it for John and Jonathan for the first time, to hear it, after Bob had put the vocals on, I was like, hey, check this out. Do you remember this? And I played the songs and John was like, oh, we should do this we should totally do this right now. And Jonathan was like, I'm, I'm going to do it too. You know, you're just standing there like, I want to be in it. I was like, all right. And I just held them to it. And I just like, like a month away, you know, I'm like, in a month, we're going to get together. And we're going to bring songs and we're going to, we're going to write an album. So we got together. And over the course of the weekend, we, like John had, you know, seven songs, I had seven songs. And Jonathan kind of edited them up, you know, was like, oh, that one, not that one. Um, and uh, we came up with the first record, 854. Um, 
like in two days. And then we're all, and I'm like, well, okay, in a month, let's go record it. So we went and made the record to three of us. And then I was like, well, let's put a single out. So we put a, a single out. And, um, and, uh, we had, we asked Jim and Paulie to play a record release show with us and learn the songs. And then we liked how they played the songs better than what we did on the record. So we went back and re recorded a few of the songs with them and put that on what was going to be the record coming out. And then I was like, all right, cool. Now we're, we're a band, I guess. And then I, I guess we should tour. And so we book a tour. And it's just, it's been funny. It's like, you know, a studio project that like each, you know, every three months, I'm like, I guess we're going to do this now. Um, and it just then all of a sudden became, you know, a real five piece unit. And we all started writing and playing together um, instead of it just being this conceptual thing. And I think pretty quickly, we kind of got away from like, you know, uh, emulating our, you know, like the rain parade kind of vibe. You know, we were like, let's just concentrate on the songs and those things will come out anyway. And I think Aura was a little bit more like that. Um, yeah, a definitely. Moody, maybe, you know, um, uh, and, uh, and it's funny, you know, like all of our here, you know, Peter Buck and, you know, Matt and Tommy and all the people that we, that are in our DNA because we were fans of them as teens. You know, they love, <laughs> you know, Steve Wynn. And you know, we played with, you know, you know, Dream Syndicate, taking us on tour and the Drive at Truckers. And it's just funny. We're like, yeah, it's kind of you guys, you know. <laughs> it's, like, it's not that far removed. It was like we just had to wait 30 years to do it, you know. So... Yeah, and I, I really, when I listen to Orr, like what I hear is mm -hmm. basically a great, uh, your own take on just the merging of all of those great influences. Like in the past, we've talked about XTC, uh, all the great yeah, New Zealand absolutely. bands and the Paisley Underground yeah. groups to kind of create your own yeah. unique sound with, you know, really great melodies. And uh, it is the current album is less moody but peter buck has produced both eyelids lps he, he produced or he didn't produce the first one oh, okay uh, that was self that was self-produced um yeah and he's and he's producing yeah and he's producing the record that's coming out in the fall we have a record at the printer right now oh that's really exciting oh but so peter buck's producing the next one and uh, you were probably a big REM fan growing up. So what's it like to work with uh, Peter Buck on these projects? It's funny. It's like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm the ultimate fanboy, but literally I was. I used to write fan letters to, like, The Residents and Devo. And I'd get things back. Like, I could get a letter back from a resident, you know? Um, and this was like 1981 and 82. And I was really into synthesizers. I was really into like Wall of Voodoo and Tuxedo Moon and just really, you know, Eno and things like that. And then um, I heard R.E.M. and I just was like, I just, it just was amazing. I heard uh, some of Chronic Town and it just was so mysterious to me. And I wrote them a letter. And like a couple weeks later, I got a letter back from Peter Buck. And he was like, hey, check out Mission of Burma. Check out the suburbs from Atlanta. Or I think they were from Atlanta. But he was just giving me a list of bands to 
listen to. And I wrote back, and the next time he wrote back, he sent the original Hub Tone single, oh, wow. uh, autographed by all the members of R.E.M., and a, a murmur coming soon, postcards that they all signed, and then a, like a chronic count, like t-shirt. And I wrote back, and then he'd send like, oh, here's some ugly photos of the band that like, you know, <laughs> burn them, burn them up, and your friends. And so for like, for like three or four years, we had this correspondence, and when he'd come to town, he would get my, fa- you know, my family into like the sound check at the show, and we'd meet them afterwards, and it was so nice. I was just a little kid with my family, freaking out, just being like, so, uh, in Athens, uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, so Love Tractor. Pylon. Um, you know, yeah, so, uh, like, and, yeah, and they were all like, you know, I was like, so Michael's sisters, and uh, okay, go, or no, oh, what was it? Oh, okay, I think they were called, oh, okay. And I was just like, they're so patient, and they were like, you know, they're young guys just wanting to be rockers, you know? It was really cool, and um, so it was weird meeting him as an adult through Guided by Voices, and just being like, you know, us putting the things back together, and, you know, he... I had the letters still from him, and you know we've gone through them, and, and you know it's just it, yeah, it was just it, it took me a while to be like oh, not, you know like when Peter would come into uh, you know my store or whatever, I, it took me a while to unwind and be like oh Peter, oh geez, wow, you know Peter Buck, you know, um, but now it's just it's just you know he's a friend and it's great, you know, um, and he it was really it was very meant a lot to us that he wanted to do the record, you know. Um, he even did it on his 60th birthday. He came oh, wow. in and worked on the record. And like, we're like, you don't have to. But hey, I want to be here if I didn't want to be here. But it also gave time for everyone to get a surprise party for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, great. So eyelids so threw a surprise party for Peter Buck. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's so he he gets what where we're coming from. He, I mean, we're both. You know, when we were younger, I mean, not unlike Peter, we just devoured whatever we could get our hands on, you know? You know, whether it was like White Twilly or, you know, it was, you know, No Trend or whatever. I mean, Peter's the same way. He listened to everything. And, um, and, uh, and just, you know, was really, just took a lot of chances on his listening, you know, habits, like just was pretty diverse. So it's, it was just fun to talk about stuff with him and hang out and just get his sense of what we're doing with him, you know. Yeah, and it's it's great because he's produced a lot of great uh, LPs. Like one of my favorites is The Good Earth by The Feelies. And it's always been like a sticking point yeah, that he is, or at least around here, that, yeah, Peter Buck produced this album. And it's really as far as, you know, the New Jersey area like Hoboken, like that's one of the like standout LPs. So he definitely and or is also amazing in the same vein. So he definitely has that touch that uh, he can put on a record. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's really good about. He's not like a. He's not an, a. Um, you know, uh, he's not a pushy direct. You know, uh, producer. Um, you know, he's just. I think because he's there, you want to do your best. You're like, I don't want to waste Peter Buck's yeah. time. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, you're like, let's let's focus and let's do this. And he was really good at just being like, how about this idea? You know, you know, uh, do you have a drum machine? Do you have this? You know, let's play around with these elements. 
but he, he, you know, he also didn't stand in the way of anything we wanted to try or do, you know. Um, I think he did one cool thing he did, which I really appreciate is there's a song called My Cave yeah. in Mind. And um, it's kind of a kind of a rocking song. And, you know, I, I but like I kept, I kept going, like, ah, there's something just not right. And he's like, well, like the, the electric guitars are just up a bit too much is kind of putting a time stamp on it like it's like you know guitar music and so we pull them down a little and we'll let the acoustics come through and that's like my favorite stuff like I'm, that's why I love a lot of flying nun stuff is that it has this like ramshackle acoustic element you know on it it's not like it's not like a thick wall a square wave of guitar it's like this really weird you know I would say lopsided kind of thing and it just it, he just helped find the shape of the song with that and it was like oh there's that's it that's exactly what I wanted you know um, so he was really good at that I definitely want to play a couple of Eyelid songs I'm gonna I've selected two of my favorites from or Slow It Goes and Mooney which you had mentioned kind of has like XTC vibes to it. And XTC is definitely one of my favorite bands. And so really oh. that song really, I identified it with it. And uh, Abby's Friends from the first LP, which is another great song. I approve. All right. We got the full approval. So everyone you're about to hear, Slow It Goes, Mooney and Abby's Friends.
we're back. You heard Slow It Goes, Mooney, and Abby's friends. So we're just going to wrap up. I want to just briefly talk about what Eyelids has coming up in 2018 for everyone out there. I know you mentioned you have a new album coming out in, uh, in a couple of months. Any touring plans or anything like that? Well, right now, every three years, we have to slightly hibernate when John goes out with the Decemberists. He's their drummer. And that's his, like, day job. So when they have a new record, we have to kind of go like, all right, we'll see you in six months. <laughs> um, and, but we already made the record, and so it's um, ha- it's, it's gonna be called Maybe More, and it'll be out in September. It has, it's half studio and half live tracks from our tour. Um, and then uh, we are doing a collaboration um, with Larry Beckett, who was um, Tim Buckley's lyricist. Oh, wow. And he found us, he heard us, and we reminded him a lot of, I mean, he's a, a legitimate L.A. guy, you know, Buffalo Springsfield and, you know, the birds and all that stuff, love. He was all part around that scene. And we reminded him a lot of those things. And he was like, I have a bunch of, lyrics some from back in the Tim era some more recent you guys want to come through and do what you do and you know use some of my lyrics so we're we're wow, wow. that that one's almost completely written we were about wow. one song away from having that done and that'll be out probably early next year if uh we we're, Peter's gonna Peter's going to produce that. I think I think we might also work with Chris Funk from the December side of the studio with Peter producing. Wow. And so, and that'll be pretty cool because it's just it's just different. You know what I mean? It, it's definitely like has eyelids, melodies and sensibilities, but it's just interesting to have to sing someone else's lyrics. You know, um, it's it's just really different. Um, and it was a, a real honor to um, you know. Because he's he's pretty legendary, um, and then we have songs we're already starting to write. Um, we have probably like a handful for the next, the third um, full length, proper full length Eyeless record, um, and we'll go do that next year as well. Um, and then yeah, they'll be touring as well. Um, you know, we're just waiting to see when the window when when the window is basically. Yeah, I know that it won't be any time before September. I know that. <laughs> gotcha. So possibly a winter tour. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we did last year um, uh, on the east and west coast. It was super fun. It was um, the shows were great. Um, yeah, they were. And uh, and I just uh, and yeah, and it's cool. Like our albums are very. They're just uh, our our live shows are a little bit more ramshackle. It's, goofy and I mean we're it's just I, I think live it's pretty fun for us because we're just like hey you're here cool let's let's do this and uh and uh kind of a little more intense too and loud it's it's fun it's fun to have the different you know different things and not just be like I think you know when we were making 854 I was like oh this is the band where I just have to stand here and like have you know just look you know like is this a you know like a quieter band you know that I'm used to you know and right away I figured I was like no it's not it's like you know um, 
like like I went and saw Dave Tilgore a couple years ago and I just like it's just like his use of volume when it needed to happen was just like phenomenal you know and I feel like we're kind of doing the same kind of things you know yeah, it was a wonderful live show. Very uh, high energy Thank too. You. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, for it's the, fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But for yeah, the we were, uh, second, we were, oh sorry, <laughs> sorry. Oh no, it's funny. I've seen in Boston. We were playing, yeah. and this I, I, a member of Christmas, the band Christmas, was there, and uh, and he was like, "That is a lot more rock and six. <laughs> yeah, but he was just like he was like I really liked it. He was like I think he was like I listen to your record. I thought it was, you guys are gonna be like pretty and you know and stuff. And I'm like no, we're pretty ugly. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was nice. I was glad that we that we got the Boston nod. So yeah, and they're tough up there. So they're rough around the edges. So you get that nod. That's a legit yeah. nod. <laughs> We got one nod. <laughs> That's yeah. sufficient, though. But uh, so for if for the next portion, just we'll end the program. Usually, when I have guests over, they pick, they comb through my records and like pick a few when we play them. But I've done a couple of phone ones, so then I have to get a little creative with uh, what we play next. Um, one time, I did just like straight XTC. And this time, I did read, and you had mentioned it earlier, that you wrote uh, Peter Buck a fan letter, I guess, in the early 80s. And he wrote mm-hmm. you back and gave you, like, a list of bands to check out. So I was thinking we could yep. play a couple of those bands. You said Mission to Burma was one. Mission uh, Burma. Any others you the, can recall? The, yeah, the, the Neat. Um, That's amazing. That's a Coyote Records band. The DBs, these are all my favorite bands. (laughs) Yeah, the the, the DBs. And uh, I think also, I know that um, the Minutemen were on there. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm sure, I think there was some like, you know, Pylon was obviously on there. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah, someday I... I should I should uh, just take a photo of that part of it and put it online. Um, I know I've put up other stuff in the past uh, that from that from the letters, but um, yeah, it's crazy. But that's not a bad that's not a bad batch. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good batch. So we'll we'll do that. We'll start with Submission of Burma, one of my favorite bands, and and they're another incredible live band. I Mine hope they too. start uh, playing live again. Uh, they haven't been Me in too. a couple of years. I just rewatched the documentary again. I just like they were one of definitely, um, and through Peter and through them, I think a lot of people. I mean, REM did you know introduce a lot of bands to a lot of people you know um, that you know people otherwise wouldn't have known as much of you know outside of the underground. You know what I mean? And. Um, you know, I think that was great, and uh, you know, Mr. Burma was like right that right. You know, when it it sounded cool on the letter, and it sounded cool when I bought it. You know. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, they are definitely one of my heroes, and uh, and one of the and just still making great music, like no mistakes, like never a misstep, like them and yeah, Wire. I, you know, it's like 
Wire is incredible that they're still like putting out quality records yeah. to this day. It's such a testament to just how talented yeah. they are. It's incredible. Yeah, with their own language too. It's like they made their own language, and they're like, yeah, they found so much, um, you know, uh, with within that language. It's just like it's incredible. Yeah, for real. So let's yeah, can you play. Tell I'm a fanboy. <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a fanboy as well. So we're both fanboys. But okay. um, I want to thank you again. It was really awesome talking to you. This was so okay, enjoyable okay. for me. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see you soon. And, yeah, and so we're gonna close out with uh, "That's When I Reach for My Revolver" by Mission of Burma off of Signals, Calls, and Marches. Let's play a Neats track. Let me think. Maybe something off of Crash at Crush to keep with the Coyote theme that I've been rocking. Yeah, like Tear My Soul off of Crash at Crush. That's a good song. And the DBs. Let's definitely play some DBs. Ask for Jill is a favorite of mine off of Repercussion. And let's round it out with some Minutemen. It's expected I'm gone off of, of course, Double Nickels on the Dime. That's perfect all right everyone thank you check out eyelids on facebook anywhere else Bandcamp or anything yeah Bandcamp, instagram twitter john's house john's house um, my video store wherever. clinton street yeah, video right there you go all right thank you so much chris again guys check out eyelids lots of new stuff coming up this year but right now you're about to listen to four bands that peter buck wrote chris about in a fan letter in like 1982 
Don't follow me.